The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife. Save the environment. Save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Welcome to Our Wild World, and today our guest is Dale Priest-Kelly, working in, an, in animal-assisted therapy with his business, Critterish All Sorts. It's the leading independent animal education and pet therapy resource in the UK. Through a variety of programs, including education events at schools, private events and parties, individual pet therapy, corporate events and TV, film and theater, Dale was influenced through his own experiences, which he'll share with us today in both strong relationships and through the loss of pets, giving him personal understanding of the deep emotional impact that all animals can have on people. Critters All Sorts now shares their pet therapy sessions with the elderly, as well as problematic children, learning disabled, and those with life-limiting illnesses. Dale's and Critterish All Sorts, that's a tough one to say sometimes, um, services in the field of severe mental illness are pioneering in the UK, making them forerunners in mainstream pet therapy development. Welcome, Dale. Hi, Ellie. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Good. Uh, so why don't we just jump right in? If our listeners would like to call in, they can call in at 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at wildize at wildeyes.org. And if you're interested in finding Dale's website, it would be Critterish All Sorts. Um, sounds just like it spells all, all one word, dot co dot uk. And there's a whole lot more information online. So, Dale, how long have you been operating Critterish All Sorts and education services? Um, we've been doing this since August 2010, um, following a heart attack that I suffered uh, in the February of that year. And how did you get started? Um, well, basically, I've always had an interest in um, in, in uh, exotic animals, um, keeping lizards, snakes, uh, tarantulas, uh, and animals like that. Um, and after my heart attack, I couldn't work. And uh, one of the, a nursery teachers suggested it to me. Um, and within a week, we got our first two bookings. Suggested what to you? Um, suggested that I take animals into schools for educational purposes. Okay, so, so and, you, and charged for it. So you went through quite a um, ex- quite a life changing experience yourself. So how did animals affect you, which I imagine um, and obviously impacts on both the animals and the people you work with. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, animals are great when you're, especially when you're recovering from something like that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, a couple of years previous to that, I, I'd actually um, gone through personal loss um, of uh, everything. My house, um, everything went, um, uh, and I, I was actually declared bankrupt. Um, and, and my animals uh, at the time uh, were I had a hognose snake. Uh, which is a North American species, um, a bearded dragon, and um, a cat. And uh, they all helped um, through interaction with them uh, and through being with them to uh, help me feel better about my situation and, and, and just give me, um, you know, give me hope and, and give me something to live for, really. So it was through these experiences with your own Menagerie, which is not a word I, I really like. It usually tends to think of wealthy people keeping exotics for entertainment, which is not at all what you do. No. You and your animals have a very, very close bond. And that's what I'm hoping our listeners will get, uh, get today, uh, through listening to some of your stories and experiences and, and, and how animal assisted therapy, whether it's your pet or, um, through an institution, so to speak, a mainstream institution, how animal-assisted therapy can uh, change your life. So once you realize that this was what you wanted to do and how you wanted to focus your life, was there specific training you had to have to work with hospitals and patients on a wider scale? Uh, absolutely not, because um, the professionals at work, especially at the hospitals uh, with psychiatric patients, um, are you know that they are uh, mental health professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, occupational therapists, teaching um, teaching therapists, that kind of thing. So currently, what I do is facilitate um, the sessions, um, uh, but I am halfway through uh, doing formal training to be to actually be an animal assisted therapy practitioner, so I can open my own surgery. Okay, so did you have difficulty um, moving? Okay. I read a lot of the information about what you do and a lot of animal assisted therapy as we know it deals with cats and dogs, the furry cuddly critters. You don't. <coughs> Excuse me. So did you have difficulty working with the psychologists and psychiatrists and um, doctors in convincing them that this was a method or, or were they open to your methods? Um, to, to be honest, the, the guys I work with are based in the private sector um, and the psychologists and occupational therapists are very welcoming and they, they do see the difference um, that the therapy has with the patients um, and, and they were initially from the outset, they, 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 were, they were golden um, and really supportive and really keen to, 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 to um, show that it worked and really keen to uh, to. To, to see the difference. Um, it's more difficult, however, when you're working with the public sector. It's much harder to have it recognised as, as being conducive to improving health, and it needs proof and studies and, and academic studies. Well, it sounds like you're well on the way to that proof. I mean, isn't the saying the proof in the pudding? Um, <laughs> don't you think you've really made an impact and raised awareness that this isn't any kind of, I think your phrase is witch doctory, that it is real <laughs> and proven then that can be as effective, if not more so, than pharmacology and drugs? Uh, we're certainly on the way to doing that. It, it seems a lot a lot too easy these days for um, for, for doctors to prescribe medicines um, to people. And it's kind of in, there's your prescription, out you go, um, take the drugs for two weeks and come back and we'll see how you're doing. 
Um, whereas this is a much more, it's on a much more base level um, with the human animal relationship um, that, that is, is really important. But we are certainly on our way to, to um, showing that it does make a difference. Um, and the whole idea of me setting up my own practice is so that I can actually get case studies and facts and figures and statistics and start to actually gather proof. This, um, this is amazing. Okay. This is amazing. I started since I started talking to you over the last couple of weeks. I started reading a book called Happiness Now, which implies that through our traditional um, psychotherapy medicine and, and how we train doctors, and this was written by a guy in the UK, that they basically study and learn how many ways of misery and suffering there are on the planet and disease and delve into that rather than focusing on ways to find happiness and joy. And in reading that, I made an instant connection to your book and animal, I mean, not your book, uh, your work, uh, Animal Assisted Therapy, that you're really focused on the now. And that um, this base premise that you probably have to get through is introducing people to the concept that animals are living, breathing beings and that they have feelings and emotions. So can you tell us a little bit about this this basic premise that you have to initiate before you can start your practice with a patient or a doctor i mean absolutely the, the, um, what we do is is we use reinforced um or, or we reinforce positively that the um interactions between patients and the animals um so it's communicated often during sessions it's not just something we we, we don't do like a briefing at the beginning um it, it's communicated quite often during sessions um, and then reinforce positively as the patients um, are complimented for, for what they're doing with the animals. And, and then also explaining why they're being complimented for those interactions and also how that relates to the animal and so, how it then relates to the people that they may interact with at a later date. Okay, so when you're talking about the introduction and communications, it's not just between you, your your um, co-counsel or therapist or occupational therapist and the patient. There is this other living, breathing being in the room, the animal. Yeah. And um, can you tell us a little bit about how that ends up happening? Because you're bringing in um, snakes and reptiles and other interesting animals that you normally wouldn't think would be emotive and how does it how how does how does the how does it go give us a little story a little description of how that first meeting goes when everybody's kind of like what yeah i mean uh, the, the 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 best the best example is our skunk stoosh um and people automatically have this negative feeling towards skunks they smell um but once she's out and they realize she doesn't smell and she's playful and she's making them laugh and she's making them giggle. Suddenly they all want to hold her. They want to pet her. Um, you know, they want to play with her. Um, and she will play with balls and things like that. And um, people suddenly realize that there's this, this bundle of fluffy joy running around the room and um, that they're getting, you know, they're getting this one-on-one -on -one time with her. And it's really very special. Um, and so suddenly something's awakened in them. All the problems that they had before their, their encounter with um, with Stoosh kind of seem to just dissolve. Um, and and they're, they're living as the animal is. They're living for the now, and they're enjoying the now. So that and, helps. Uh, that helps your 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 patients and the the people you're consulting with get a little more present and enjoy um, this interaction. And how does that affect? How, how do you find they're affected after this therapy session? 
What does it do? Um, they look forward to the next time. Um, so instantly they, they, they build, even, even in the smallest possible, possible amount of time, they build this bond with the animal. Um, and suddenly they are, you know, that they are, they are sort of interacting with the animal. And then at the end of the session, they don't want to go. They don't want the animal to go. And they want to stay till the very last second. And then when they do have to go, um, they're, they're already looking forward to the next time. They're saying goodbye to the animal. They're, you know, they're telling the animal they're going to see them again soon. And um, they, they, they begin to get this kind of ownership um, for the animals as if they are their own pet. So, um, and, and that's fantastic. So do, um, do you see patients every day or is it weekly? Do you find there's separation anxieties or um, I'm asking several questions at once. And do your animals have a favorite person? Besides you, <laughs> um, we generally go in. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, once a week or a couple of times a month, because um, it's, it's the regularity of the interaction with the animal that actually makes animal-assisted therapy work. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about separation issues or, or separation anxiety for the, the patients, um, but from what I've heard, that, that it, it's not anxiety. It's more they know that the animal's going to be coming back. They know that they're going to see the animal again, and so they're looking forward to that. Everything they're doing over the next week is um, preparing them for the animal coming back. Um, that, that's so incredible. And does the animal? Do the animals look forward to it? The, the animals do. Um, when I'm getting ready in the morning, um, our dogs especially know. I'm going where I'm going and they start crying and they, you know, they start looking at their leads. So they know where they're going. As we approach um, the hospital, they recognize the hospital and we start hearing cries from the back of the car. Um, you know, they, they want to get out of the car. And then when they meet the people, they know the people, they, they know the patients that they have regularly seen. Uh, and these patients will greet them with their names because they know their names. Um, and the dogs, the, the dogs, you know, they're, they're happy to see them. They're wagging their tails. They're, they're, they're up for a fuss. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the animals do. The, the animals enjoy going and they also uh, get something from the therapy session. So it's a two way thing rather than it being um, a, a one way thing just for the patients and the animal. There's, the animals get something from it, too. That's incredible. So there's two places I want to go. We've got about uh, 10 minutes to the break, and, you know, we'll get into some of this, and then we'll take a little break. Once again, if people would like to call in and ask questions or comments with Dale or Our Wild World, call in at 1-866-472-5788 or email at wildize at wildeyes.org. So, Dale, first off, we're talking about um, let's let's fill our listeners in on the different types of animals you do work with. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, dear. We work with um, all manner of animals. We've got cats and dogs, um, which are the usual therapy animals. Um, we also use rabbits and guinea pigs, which, again, are quite um, quite widely seen uh, domestic animals. But we also use um, a skunk. We've got chinchillas. Hedgehogs, African pygmy hedgehogs, um, tortoises, snakes, lizards, um, skinny pigs, even frogs. Now, see, the, the first couple, the guinea pig, the dog, the cat, I totally understand. They're furry, they're cute, they're cuddly. They're what everybody recognizes immediately. But um, 
What about the, the, the frogs, the reptiles? The, uh, you, you talked about Stoosh, the, the skunk a bit. He's furry, so I, I can get that. But frogs and tortoises, I mean, they don't typically, they aren't typically what we would call an emotive animal. Um, so that's why we have a, a tendency to stay away from them. How does that work? Um, well, I mean, tortoises um, are amazing, especially with elderly um, patients, because um, tortoises, especially, I don't, know, I don't know about in the USA, but in the UK, were really quite popular back in the 1970s. And the older people remember having tortoises as children. And therefore, when you go into, say, a dementia ward and you've got dementia patients and they see a tortoise, their eyes light up because they remember having one when they were a kid. And it brings back all manner of memories that may have lay dormant for a while in dementia patients. Um, and suddenly they're talking about tortoises and how they used to have tortoises. And then somebody else will say they used to have tortoises as well. And all of a sudden you've got these guys interacting with each other um, just because there's a tortoise in the room. Um and, and, and there was there was another guy, a psychiatric patient, who um, who was, was violent, abusive, aggressive, and he he held the tortoise, and all of a sudden he became this loving, gentle um, guy who was speaking to the tortoise. Oh, you're beautiful! I love you. You're gorgeous, and, and just petting the tortoise and watching it walk around the garden, eating dandelions, and um, generally being a tortoise. It sounds like. Um, the the non-traditional pets, the ones that you have to find a different way to communicate with, like a tortoise or a snake. Um, what I, I what I'm hearing is how impactful this is, and way beyond what we assume or understand is traditional assist animal assisted therapy. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's so amazing about critterish all sorts is that um, it's really based on nonverbal or non-English verbal language communication, which breaks down a whole lot of barriers uh, mm-hmm. between the people and the animal and makes both your work and the, the therapist work uh, easier, maybe. Mm. And, and highly rewarded as well. Um, but with animals, it's more about uh, body language uh, and also about um, about people's perceptions of the animals as well. And, and and you do have to find a different way of bringing these animals in because you, you obviously have guys who are scared of snakes, who may be scared of lizards, or have that irrational fear, that that kind of phobia. Um, and these guys eventually will come to at least be in the presence of the snake. They may not want to hold it, but they'll at least like to see you holding it, see somebody holding it. And then eventually they, they, they break down that barrier and they become um, desensitized, if you like, to, to the fear because they're seeing this, this animal regularly and they're seeing it regularly out of, you know, out of a, a vivarium or a cage or whatever. And they're seeing it sort of live moving about in somebody's hands. And they think, well, okay, maybe snakes aren't quite as bad as I thought they were. And then, they then decide to hold it and you get what I call um, almost a dare animal therapy where, where they're daring themselves to, to hold it. Eventually they overcome that fear and, and they get a three-dimensional therapy because, hey, they've overcome their fear. Um, this is amazing. So I, I want to hold that thought for a second. We're okay. going to lead into a break because uh-huh. you just touched on a huge, huge aspect that is I, I don't want to gloss over. 
because right at that moment, it's a huge change. It's a quantum leap for a person who is in need of a different kind or a, um, a, a, an alternative kind of therapy. So we're going to take mm-hmm. our break. Once again, if you'd like to call in, that's one 472 578 And we are talking with Dale Priest-Kelly and Critterish Allsorts. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back, and we're talking with Dale Priest-Kelly whose business is Critterish All Sorts of Animal Assisted Therapy. And he uses a wide variety of animals that we wouldn't always consider um, therapeutic. So Dale has been talking about, you know, not everyone likes dogs. And, you know, some people are allergic to cats. And um, there's a basic association that people have to animals and between pet ownership and how this is all changing. So I think what Dale um, does a lot and what's so important about Critters All Sorts is it makes a different point between the human-animal um, relationship. Can you expand on that a little for us, Dale? Um, we teach, well, not teach so much um, as assist people to understand that there are all sorts of animals in the world um, and they aren't all scary and horrible. Um, you know, uh, some people will not be able to approach dogs because uh, of their religion. Um, other people have allergies to cats and rabbits, as you said. Um, so we use different animals. Um, 
you know, so many people like snakes uh, and lizards, but have never experienced them. Uh, and and we, we show people how widely varied the world is uh, in terms of animals. Um, we, we have so many different animals from all over the world, uh, um, critters, all sorts. Uh, and and we, use, we use a lot of them in our work. Um, and, and people start to understand that these animals, they're not to be feared. They're not to be um, misused or, or abused. They're, they're to be respected uh, and that they are living, breathing things with souls, um, with feelings that in some cases understand the way the patient's feeling. I know that might sound a bit obscure, um, but we, we have a rabbit here who who understands when somebody's not feeling right. And she will happily sit on somebody's chest and nudge their chin with her nose because she can see that they're not happy. Um, and obviously this brings a smile to the person's face. Um, you know, it makes them laugh. And, and they they get so much from it. And the animals get just as much from it as well. And it's amazing that you see that animals understand our needs as much as we should be understanding theirs. So that's a good point for everyone to understand. And this is a lot of what we focus on in our wild world and in various episodes is that we are all part of a connected web that humanity is not above or below or separate from the other uh, critters, all sorts of critters out there. And what Dale's work does is um, make that bond, actually bring that bond to people. And it sounds like um, it's, it's very successful and it's getting mainstream. I know we have a lot of animal-assisted therapy here in the U.S. And um, that it's bringing in a whole other level of being able to communicate. So you, you, you mentioned a little bit about working with the elderly. Who are some of the other people you work with uh, in terms of patients? Youth, um, schools, we, we work other with, institutions? Yeah, we work with um, my, our main assist, animal assisted therapy work is done within psychiatric hospitals with people with severe mental health problems, severe depression, anxiety, um, all the way up to paranoid schizophrenia. Um, and we also work with behavioural children, uh, children with behavioural problems. Uh, we work with autistic children, children who suffer from Asperger's. Um, we also work, as you say, with the elderly. Um, and we do education with children. We do events for the general public, so the general public can, can come uh, and be amazed by uh, animals of the world. Um, and we, we, we run workshops as well for children, which help with not, not just with their understanding of animals, but also with their citizenship and, and, and the way they treat each other. Um, so, you know, it, it works from all angles. Definitely. That's what I find so amazing and what we were leading up to is that this – as Dale had put it, the human mind-body experience when you're communicating with a nonverbal or a different sound. Animals definitely communicate. It's not always a language we can understand, but what Dale is pointing out and which um, I think is so critical these days and, and the way we're going to be able to move forward as a species is to understand that we can inter- communicate with each other. And Dale and, and Dale was talking about understanding body language. So I, that leads me to a quick question. Do your animals require any uh, specific training to be able to work with people or are some animals better at it than others? Um, no, I, I think personally it's the, base, it's the basis, of, basis of all understandings is that they are who they are. And that's what makes them so special. Um, is is that they are just who they are. People see them, uh, and and you know that they are just 
doing what they what they want to do um and, and you have to let them do that so we don't do any training whatsoever what we do do is 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 we make sure that the animal is socialized um in some ways um desensitized to certain environments and to certain uh, approaches from people um that may not normally be um acceptable to the animal um, because some people will just lean straight in with hands and, and, and stuff. So um, they have to be certainly desensitized to some of that. But we also have animals that, that we wouldn't use uh, in, in therapy work or other encounters um, because they, they just, you know, they, they just can't, um, they, they can't be, um, oh, they, 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 they can't do the work, if you, if you understand. Well, I hate the word work. Um, but they, they can't they can't be used in that kind of environment. So they they're just they're just remaining. Just like as some pets. people can't be can't face some situations. What you're saying is some animals can't face certain situations. They have the same emotive or feel fearful responses that we do, and it's up to us people to understand that behavior so that we're not putting the animal into a situation it can't handle, which That's could right. be worse for the person, and try to make a win-win situation for both the people and the animal. That's right. If we've got certain animals that can't cope with certain environments or certain situations, then they're not used in those environments or situations, and they remain as, as pets. We still keep them. We don't rehome them or anything. Um, you know, we we're about the animals first, and, and that is what's paramount, is the animal's safety and the animal's uh, well-being. Um, and then the customer comes second, whereas in most businesses, the customer comes first. In this business, the animals, the animals come first, the customer comes second. This is, this is fascinating. I, I hope some people call in once again. It's 1-866-472-5788, or you can send an email to wildize at wildeyes.org. And be sure to check out Dale's website, www.critterishallsorts.co.uk, and that's C-R-I-T-T-E-R-I-S-H-A-L-L-S-O-R-T-S. Sounds just like it. it it's spelled just like it sounds. So Dale takes uh, animal therapy, uh, animal assisted therapy into youth events, public events, pu- um, uh, certain institutions. You'd said um, sometimes into uh, prisons and, and working with um, criminal element. How does how does animal therapy assist them? We can understand. Um, I mean, I can make the, the leap to someone who's withdrawn and needs some unconditional love and uh, like with a furry dog or a, a, a rabbit. But how does this how does it work when you go into uh, more of an incarceration type institution? In terms of, uh, for instance, a, a paranoid schizophrenic, when you have a paranoid schizophrenic holding your rabbit who says, when I'm holding the rabbit and when I'm stroking the rabbit, the voices disappear. That says it all. That certainly does. You know, that leaves me speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So um, it obviously has a huge effect. So um, what, are, what are some of the longest relationships? You said you've been in business uh, as Critterish all sorts for a couple of years. Obviously, you've been doing this for much, much longer um, in your life. So do you have long-term relationships? I mean, since you started in uh, two years ago, um, do you have relationships with people and patients and the animals that have been going on for this length of time? We started the business in 2010. Pet therapy started in 2011. 
Um, and we have been working with one of the hospitals uh, since March 2011, so just over two years. Um, so, yes, you develop relationships um, in terms of um, a therapist versus a patient, but also in terms of um, they, 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 they want to know you, they want to uh, know the animals, they want to know everything about the animals, they want to know how the animals are. And those people we've been seeing for two years, they know all of the animals and, and they ask about the animals that aren't there. Um, they, they, have, they have pictures of the animals on their walls. So they're not um, working with just one animal. They're working with a one. You're not using one animal with one person. You use a wide variety of animals with one person. Yeah, I mean, some some people are only interested in one animal. Other people are interested in all of the animals that I take, and I, and I may take five or six into a session um, because different people like different animals. Uh, and as far as therapy animals go, people choose their own therapy animals. Huh. Um, and, and some people aren't bothered about the furries. They just want the snakes. Other people aren't bothered about any of the animals. Take the skunk along and all of a sudden someone that's been coming for a year sits down on their lap and pats their lap. They want the skunk on the lap. Um, you know, they weren't interested in any other animal I was taking. All they were interested in was the skunk. And as soon as that started going after a year, that was it. He comes every week and, and he sits with the skunk for an hour. So you, you do the the... Practitioner, practitioners you work with, I'm going to call them traditional, what we consider, mm-hmm. you know, our typical medical personnel um, mm-hmm. or psych- psychiatrist or occupational therapist, which we think of in a as a more sterile institution, although it, it, it does get fuzzy boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find that the animal that they see when you leave your patient, that um, they can see a measurable, measurable benefit and effect of after a session or several sessions with you and the critters absolutely absolutely um so much so that if there is unrest on on a ward within the hospital um i'm actually called in with my animals because they know the animals are going to calm them down and that it's going to dispel um the the atmosphere in the place and so i i, I might get called in um to do uh, um to, to, to do a session the following day um, in an emergency because they know that it's going to have that effect on, on, on the patients. That's uh, amazing. Mm. That, that's really amazing. So you, you do emergency calls. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's astounding. So what are some of the things in the situations that you've worked with from children to elderly to um, paranoid schizophrenics to delusional to um, chronic depression? What are some of the link- things that you've noticed and that we can all benefit from, that we can learn from animals, such as the unconditional love, how that, that helps bring us out of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, patients aren't used to um, the unconditional love of, of another. They're not, not used to not being judged. Um, you know, people, judge, people judge others so readily uh, these days that you, you can see somebody who may have had a bad day and think, oh, they're depressed or, you know, and... Other times you can see people and you might think, oh, they're on drugs. We judge way too quickly, whereas animals just don't do that. They don't judge you. They're not bothered. They live for the moment. Um, and so long as they're being treated well and, you know, so long as um, you're happy to be in their presence, then they are more than happy to be in your presence. They're more than happy to um, be petted by you. They're more than happy to play with you. Uh, but one of the keys is also knowing when your animal has had enough of that 
when your animal doesn't want to be petted, it wants to explore, it wants to play. So you have to be conscious of how your animal's feeling. So you have to have that bond. So you have a lot going on in these sessions. You're watching the animal behavior, so you have to have a really good handle on that, as mm-hmm. you just said, to understand when the animal has had enough. And also sort of, um, as you said, doing case studies, watching the benefits that it's providing to the people and the new experiences they're getting. So it's, it's, this isn't, um, animal assisted therapy isn't just a cakewalk. Um, it's not like walking in with your dog on the leash and going to the dog park. This is, this is serious therapy. And, um, it's catching on mainstream. As we'd said before, Critters All Sorts has become the leading, uh, animal assisted therapy in the Midlands in UK. So it's a fascinating, um, growth that's going on. And it, it also shows that it's time and we're willing in mainstream ways to recreate our relationships, reimagine our relationships. And I think what Dale does by bringing in all these various critters is to reimagine a relationship with something other than what you typically think it would be, people to people or people to doctor. Um, can you tell us some of the experiences you've had that just shine a light in your, in your memory? Um, I mean, there's the guy who, who saw the skunk and just sat down and patted his lap. His smile was immense. Um, he'd been coming for a year and he'd come to every session and he'd looked at the animals and he'd walked out. And in the moment he saw the skunk, the very first time the skunk went, he, he smiled, huge smile, sat down on his lap, patted his lap, giggled a bit, sat 45 minutes with, with the skunk and then went away for an hour, came back with uh, a drawing that he'd done of him with a skunk on his lap. Um, so, you know, it, it helps these guys not just in um, in in terms of, of their own minds, but it helps them in terms of um, them going away and feeling happy and doing something like a drawing and then coming back to, to show me he was so proud. Um so- long-lasting effects oh very much so yes very much so um but it, it's a case of people professional people seeing this you know the professional psychologist um psychiatrist occupational therapist seeing this and, and recognizing it and, and and passing the word on making sure everybody realizes how much it is because we tend to put people in institutions and just kind of forget about them and, and that's why i've become so passionate about helping people with mental health This is fascinating. Um, We're going to head into another short break, and we're with Dale Priest-Kelly of Critterish All Sorts. You can find him online at critterishallsorts.co.uk, and uh, just do a keyword search with Critterish All Sorts, and you'll come up with a whole lot of information, um, some fascinating reading material uh, about Dale and some great photographs of him, his wife, and their critters, and uh, interviews and, um, you know, information for case studies. So I hope you take the time to check this out. It's fascinating. And uh, we'll be right back with Our Wild World. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The Wild Effect. 
It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back. We're with Dale Priest Kelly with Critterish All Sorts, an animal-assisted pet therapy business in the Midlands in the UK. So I hope everybody out there in the UK is listening, and you can get in touch with Dale at www.critterishallsorts.co.uk um, and learn more about his business and the animals that he works with. And Dale, tell us, we, we've got a little time here before we have to wrap up for today. Um, tell us a little more about your background and your goals with Critter, that, that the goals that led you not only to create Critterish All Sorts, but the further goals. And if as a result from the work and the benefits and the in, in, amazing accomplishments that you've seen that your critters can make with people in this wide variety of institutions and practices from medical to, um, uh, occupational therapy to psychiatric disorders. What what's your goal? What led you here, and what is your larger goal? Um, what led what led me here was obviously my own personal experiences back in two thousand eight that I've already alluded to. Um, but my goal uh, is not just to simply run a small business in a small town in a small country. Um, my, my my goal is that I want to make animal assisted therapy available to everybody. I want it to be a recognized mainstream prescribed treatment for mental health issues, however mild or severe they may be. Uh, I want doctors and health institutions to sit up and recognize the benefits. Animal assisted therapy predates science. Um, you know, there was a guy in the 1700s who filled a psychiatric institution at the time with uh, animals in the gardens and saw how it helped the patients. Um, so in, in some of what you're saying, it goes back to the, that book that I'm reading. I'm not trying to promote the book, but it is <laughs> an interesting book, Happiness Now, because it really resonated with me in terms of the work that you're doing. That we can, and back in the 1700s, we related to 
a lot more of the nature that was around us and how we could benefit. We were much more connected. And I'd say over the last, what, 50 to 100 years, we, with between science and data and research, we've gotten a little disconnected from the natural world, including all the other earthlings, all the other animals that we live with and are connected to, breathing the same air. Um, so when you're talking about bringing this in and making it available to everyone, would you suggest people? Um, how do you know if, if you need this kind of therapy and, and how do people go about requesting animal-assisted therapy? Um, I'm not sure how it works in America or, or actually how it works over here. Um, generally, I'm, I'm contacted by occupational therapists and psychologists who, who want me to help their patients because they've heard about the work that we do. Um, as far as requesting it from, from your doctor over here, um, the NHS still don't recognise um, – that's the National Health Service, sorry uh, – still don't recognise animal-assisted therapy as a treatment um, <laughs> as such. Uh, and therefore – one of my goals, and, and it's going to be a big, a big task, is to convince the NHS that you know animal-assisted therapy is there, it is useful, uh, it does help people, and that it should really be maybe used as a, as as a first stop, especially for people with mild depression, rather than just prescribing drugs. I think uh, that's an excellent idea. <laughs> so, it, so how can we help you get this? out there so it would do you think it would be beneficial for the it sounds like you're starting um what you're constrained by sometimes is the top-down approach that you have to be contacted by so-and-so to bring in your um your therapy is it mm -hmm. possible that people can start requesting of their occupational therapists and their psychiatrists um saying you know i've heard about this do you know of it and is there a place near me that I could try this because this might be something that would work for me. Absolutely. I mean, um, the more people that hear about it, so you're doing a fantastic job today with our wild world in, in uh, um, showing people that this actually works. Um, so that, that's, that's a great start. If people do hear about it and they, they do want to try it, then yes, by all means, speak to your doctor, speak to your occupational therapist, your psychologist, your institution manager, um, and and get them to, to find someone that does it, even if it's just a trial for a month. Within a month, I guarantee that if it's done properly, a difference will be seen in the patient. And um, it, it, it's immense. It really is. So I've got one little question here that came in mm -hmm. via email. In, let's say, a sterile, in, sterile inst institution like a hospital, where the main thing is is to not catch bugs and try and keep people from catching more um, diseases or whatever, do bringing in animals into a, a sterile situation like that make a difference, or is there any process your animals have to go through to be allowed into, let's say, a hospital? Um, the animals uh, get regular veterinary checks, which obviously make sure that they're bug-free, um, they are uh, clean, etc., etc., um, and insofar as going into hospitals, it, it's um, so long as you're not going into an intensive care unit, um, and the animals obviously pass by the vet as being um, being healthy um, and, and being free of any any disease, then um, absolutely there's no problem with taking them in. The one thing that we do do and we insist on is that people use antibacterial gel in order to wash any bugs that they may have come into contact with away from them. Um, and, and then obviously 
the, the thought of taking reptiles into a hospital, into a sterile situation, is quite frowned upon because of the fact that they, they carry salmonella um, in their um, in their faeces. And so you have to be really, really careful of, of what you're doing when you're taking reptiles in. Um, and so reptiles, possibly not into a, a sterile um, hospital environment, um, but, but in, certainly into psychiatric into, hospitals. Okay, but certainly into a more group therapy type session yeah, environment. Absolutely, yes, yes. So what I hope our listeners have um, been able to take away from this is it's not just introducing people to dogs, cats, and reptiles. Uh, Dale has given us a really interesting overview of what it not only takes to be an animal-assisted therapist, how you have to work with your animals, the kinds of animals that can be used, the beneficial aspects that it provides to the animal, and obviously the high benefits that it provides to the institution and the um, occupational therapist and the patient, um, him or herself. It's really a two-way street. There's two sides to this coin. Um, so people can find out more about Dale and his work at critterishallsorts.uk. .co.uk. There's a lot of fascinating information information there. If you're an occupational therapist or a therapist listening to our show today, please contact Dale if you'd like to learn more about how to get this into your um, operating practice. And um, Dale, what is it the one thing that you would really like our listeners to take away from this conversation? I'd like just people to understand the fact that animals can help us and our world. Uh, and they do so willingly, not because we make them, but because they want to. And if you show them kindness, just as you may show a fellow human, they they are they are as as, as reciprocating as 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 you you could hope for. Um, but also that we as a species need to realise all of that, and, and that we can learn so much from animals, uh, and we will be a much better species for for learning what we can learn from animals. And, and, and you've said before in, in, in your website and a lot of the reading material that, that you provided um, that people have this basic intuitive instinct that we like animals. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'd say people are the only species, humans are the only species that have this need to reach out and touch another species where most other species don't do that unless it's a mm-hmm. conflict or a fight. But that this need within us to communicate and connect with nature and with animals is a critical premise um, of, of, of what you do. So it's, it's not like you're implementing something that's not there. It's already there, and you just guide and watch this blossom. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, and they reach out and touch us back. <laughs> and I think that's an important thing. That was, I'm glad you reminded me of that because um, you said something really important. As we go through our day and we see dogs, cats, or you know, a stray animal on the street or go to the rescue center or go into a pet store, that animals need us too. Um, they, they need us to provide space for them on this planet. Um, they need us to um, recognize them and see them. I heard a comment once that most people go to the zoo so that and, and react in noisy ways or throw things at the animals in a need to be seen, that an individual wants to be seen. And they seem to do it a lot with animals um, so that this animal 
sees them. So in terms of animal-assisted therapy, I'd say you provide such an incredible opportunity for a person to be seen in somebody else's eyes. And by somebody, I mean an animal, another living creature. Can you tell us just um, some of the, the experiences? Um, you, you talked about Stoosh, and uh, we've got a few minutes left here. So um, what are some of the things you'd like us to, to take away? Um, just like like you say, you know, um, they they will reach out and touch us back, and and they do so very tenderly as well. Um, they have no they have no feelings of judgment. They have no feelings of uh, hate towards a specific species. Um, they kill for food and nothing else. Um, and and we 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 could learn just so much from from animals uh, and from watching animals interact with each other. Never mind us interacting with animals. Um. And, and when we do interact with animals, it, it's just such a magical and beautiful experience that, uh, you know, th- these guys are really some of the most privileged guys, I think, in the Midlands uh, because they get what other psychiatric institutionalized people don't get. Um, and they get this interaction with, with fabulous animals who really, really do something special for them. And they appreciate that and they, they are grateful to the animals for it. This is incredible. So it's it's a little note for our listeners to take away today. Not all animals should be approached um, in the wild, but do enjoy seeing our wild world and the other um, beings, living, breathing, emotive, and emotional beings that are that share this world with us. Um, I once again, I don't suggest going up to a wild animal and touching it. But if you're looking for an experience and you're looking for um, a way to help yourself communicate. We all do it with our pets. Um, that's why we have pets, dogs, cats, or chipmunks, or mice, or snakes. Um, we have this need to reach out, and animals provide a lot. So animal-assisted therapy, I think, is a really important way that we can move forward in changing our perspective of our world, inviting in better relationships, not only with the other beings that we share the planet with, but they can teach us how to relate on another level with each other. And um, please visit Dale's website at www.crittersallsorts.co.uk and read more about what he's doing. And Dale, it's been such an incredible pleasure having you here today. Um, I look forward to hearing more about some of the case studies and uh, staying up on, on, on tune with your website. So I understand you're you're going you have a um, an editorial coming up. Somebody who wants to meet Stoosh. <coughs> Yeah, we've we've got the national papers in tomorrow looking um, looking at taking photos and doing a story on Stoosh um, from from a cute animal kind of perspective rather than from a business perspective. But hey, she's she's a fantastic animal and she deserves it. So uh, she's so excited. <laughs> Stoosh is so excited. <laughs> oh, she is excited. I've told her. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. So I hope I wish you a fabulous rest of your day. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to Our Wild World. And I'm sorry, what was that, Dale? I said thank you. Thank you. This is great. I'd love to have you back again, and we can get a little deeper. It's a lot of information to just get into the surface of what animal-assisted therapy is about, let alone in mind encompass that uh, monitor lizards and snakes and turtles uh, can be um, such a benefit to your emotional well-being. 
Um, so join us next week at Our Wild World. And uh, our guest next week will be Cyril Christo uh, and his wife, Marie Wilkinson. They are the authors of Walking Thunder, uh, a, a, a fabulous book about the spiritual connection that we have with elephants. So we're going to continue our theme that on Our Wild World that we need to connect and communicate with the other species around us. And Dale and Critterish all sorts are a prime example in a um, organized way that this can happen. So, uh, Dale, we've got 30 seconds left. Uh, anything you'd like to say? Just thank you very much for having me. It would be a pleasure to return and talk to you some more. Well, thank you, and I hope people will post this on our discussion groups, and I'll keep you posted of uh, any questions or comments that we get back, and um, I'll definitely pass the word around, and you can find a link to this episode on Vo uh, Voice America Variety Channel and our website at www.wildeyes.org. And once again, you can go directly to Dale's website at www.critterishallsorts.org. CO.UK. I don't know why I stumble on that one every time, but it's been a pleasure and uh, we're out of time today and we'll see you next week. In the meantime, step out and visit your wild world. Join in our wild world and communicate, step out, reach out and take some action. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now.